everybody welcome to the 250th episode of the holy backboard podcast i am your host dylan sage and this is our first solo podcast uh in holy backboard history in the 250 episodes it hasn't ever been a solo person recording we've always had a duo whether it be dustin and i or dustin and dane carbach when i was sick or evan mccarthy and myself We've always had two people, so this is going to be a quite different to just be the solo person, being the uh, one and only host. But a lot of people have said that the Holy Backboard helps them throughout their week, so I didn't want to take that away from anybody. And I do truly enjoy creating content for y'all to listen to, and hopefully uh, it helps uh, inform your decision and uh, become a uh, bigger Blazers fan. And that's the ultimate goal is for you to enjoy the team that we all root for more. And it has been a long time since we did our last Holy Backboard. I hope to not say that as much, but, you know, it has been a month. A lot of things have happened in the last month, including the draft, free agency, and summer league. So we do have uh, quite a bit to talk about. We will start with the NBA draft because it was the first thing. And I think it was a very interesting top of the draft where uh, in my personal board, it was Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Green, Vegas, and uh, all of the betting markets thought it would go the other way with Cade, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley going to the Cavaliers, Jalen Green going to the Houston Rockets, and of course, Cade Cunningham, the number one prospect in the draft, going to the Detroit Pistons. That was kind of chalky, you know, you pr- you could project this. Houston would want the dynamic shooting guard that has the potential of being something incredibly special if he develops that defensive fire, that drive. He could be something so special with his elite athleticism. Evan Mobley potentially being that that center that can be a playmaking hub that's so rare in the games. And if you watch that summer league, you saw him setting up in the horns position being that offensive hub for the Cavs summer league team. And it was very interesting to see because most of most other teams have that garb to be that offensive hub and the playmaking hub of the, of the team. So seeing someone else that's so much bigger, being able to make the right decision and make a crisp bounce pass or a quick, quick crisp pass to a cutting player was hugely interesting to see. Um, I think that the top three went extremely chalky, but, at pick four, Jalen Suggs was the projected person by Vegas. And, you know, everybody thought Jalen Suggs, because Kyle Lowry was not under contract for the next year, that he can move in and be that that point guard. But Sayu Jerry thought, you know what? Scotty Barnes has the potential to be the best player in this class if he develops his jump shot. And with his with the staff's ability to develop that very thing, they went with Scotty Barnes. It was kind of shocking, but I remember looking at the betting market, and it wasn't that heavily favored to Jalen Suggs there. Scotty Barnes, like, it wasn't a, a great bet to bet Scotty Barnes for, for. Like, Vegas kind of even the odds to Scotty and Jalen. 
they went with the guy that they thought had more potential and the guy that I personally think has more potential at four. And then Orlando got a very good point guard. I think that he's more of a linking point guard, meaning that he's not going to create the advantage on offense, but he will take advantage of that creation. Once it, once the defense is bent, he will make the right pass. Kind of like what Lonzo Ball is. Kind of like what Tyrese Halliburton. In the half court, they're not going to create that that advantage much. But once it's created by either De'Aaron Fox or Zion Williamson, they, they made the right play. It got kind of funky after that. Uh, with the sixth pick, Oklahoma City drafted Josh Giddy. And when you think of Josh Giddy, you think of um, a playmaker that if developed right offensively and athletically could be an all-star. He absolutely could be, but he needs the ball in his hands to be good. You know who also needs the ball in their hands to be good? Shea Gilgis Alexander. So it's going to be fun and it's going to be kind of interesting to see how Oklahoma City divides the ball and the usage to those two guards that need the ball to be good. You want to develop both of these guys because they're young, but you got to kind of set expectations of like, you only get the ball this much because we got to get other people involved. That's going to be interesting. And then the draft kind of kind of went wild after that, that Josh Giddy pick. The Warriors got Jonathan Kamingo, which I think is a huge steal for them. Golden State's always been trying to get that large wing player. Uh, to pair with pair with Steph, and they got it with Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. They definitely got large wing players. One that's a very high level shooter, and one that's athletically gifted as hell. You saw uh, Jonathan Kaminga in summer league defend Scotty Barnes, really really tough. Two hard nosed defenders for Golden State. It got really strange at pick ten for the Memphis Grizzlies. They traded up with the New Orleans Pelicans and got the tenth pick in this draft. They did it early, so you knew that they found their guy. They found their guy, and they knew that they needed to trade up to get him. And that player was Zaire Williams, who played at Stanford and had a very weird college freshman year because of COVID restrictions. He had to play out of a suitcase in a hotel that entire year, and he was recovering from a knee problem. So he had a um, he had a brace on his knee, and it looked it made him play a lot less athletic. <clears throat> but if you looked at that uh, that high school that EYBL tape, you saw the athleticism, and a lot of scouts started to fall back in love with with uh, Zaire. Um, looking at the first round, other picks that I really did like was uh, James Booknight at eleven to the Charlotte Hornets. Chris Duarte at 13 going to the Pacers. I really am interested to see how Albert Sangoon plays when there's real competition, real big men that are more athletic and strong for him to go against. But in summer league, he looked really good. Trey Murphy out of uh, Virginia uh, looked really good in that New Orleans system, especially since the New Orleans team really didn't have players like him who can guard two through four relatively easily, hit threes at a high clip. I think Jalen Johnson in Atlanta was a really good pick. I don't really like the fact that he kind of quit on Duke, but he is a very skilled player. Heon Johnson, 
uh, getting traded to the Lake, uh, the Clippers, excuse me, LAC is a nice pick. I mean, just think about all these young guards in the league. You know, you need to have someone to be able to defend them. And I think Keon can absolutely do that. Uh, let's see. Camp Thomas to Brooklyn, I think, is a really good pairing. He at LSU was a bona fide scorer. I think playing with those three superstars, he's going to get a lot of open shots. But going into that second round, Dustin and I on the last podcast kind of predicted that the Blazers were going to trade into that second round. There was still some players on the board that he and I both really liked. Miles McBride, someone who I've talked about on multiple podcasts, was uh, picked up of the 36th pick. And traded to the New York Knicks, who had a very good draft. Players who were available that I really did like were David Johnson out of out of Louisville, I believe. Yep, Louisville. He had a very high, quick processing speed, so he could see what was going on the floor. And I think Blazers need more high IQ players um, so that they can play at a faster pace. And I remember Chauncey Billups saying pace is important because of the, the small guards that we have. So having a high processing speed point guard that can play some defense and get everybody involved. I thought that that was a way that they could go. Um, there was, uh, Keesler Edwards, Keisler Edwards, who, uh, from Pepperdine, who is a six, eight, Small forward that's a great team defender. He can hit threes, has a weird hitch in his shot, but a very good 3 and D. But with the 43rd pick, originally from the New Orleans Pelicans treated to the Portland Trailblazers, they picked super athletic, just absolutely outrageously athletic, Greg Brown. Someone who I've seen people fall in love with in the Summer League. We've kind of did something that we, we've expected it's kind of like the Neil Neil Chase special where he finds that that blue chip talent that for whatever reason is is available and is kind of like that market inefficiency like we you don't know what he's worth because he did have a a bad year at Texas but you know in the beginning of the year people thought he was a top ten talent kind of like B J Boston they thought he was a top ten talent and then fell to the second round. So I definitely saw the logic with the pick, and um, I, I remember saying that Greg Brown was absolutely a possibility. So, and then we, then we got Trendon Walford on a second year on a two-way deal out of LSU, who has made some impacts in summer league. But we will talk about Greg Brown and Trendon's uh, summer league performance after we talk about free agency, because of what Neil O'Shea has done in the past with uh, his spending. I knew that we weren't going to be really like aggressively changing the team because we just didn't have the flexibility money-wise. So I thought that signing Norman Powell was going to be incredibly important because of what he's provided. And, you know, you can't lose someone like him after you traded two different players for him. You, ha- you really wanted to retain him or get at least something from him if he was going to leave. But I, I was thinking that he was going to get like a four-year, $90 million contract, and it happened to be a five-year. So it was a much better contract than I, than I 
initially thought he was going to get. It, w- it was really imperative to get him because we have all we we needed an- more playmakers. Um, I think Dame and CJ were the only ones that were able to bend the defense. So to add Norman Powell back to the team and have him be able to drive it and be aggressive with the ball and, you know, to actually have long-term viability with the team is going to be huge for him. So it was a real blessing that he re-signed and it was a good contract. But when we re-signed him, I knew that it wasn't going to be a, a very important to find that market inefficiencies to find players that absolutely can play for that minimum contract when you have a top heavy team like the blazers do now with dame and cj and now norm and nurkic finding a player that is getting paid one million dollars and is providing the production of a four million dollar contract is incredibly important what neil o'shea did with the limited budget was to bring in Cody Zeller, to bring in Tony Snell, and to bring in uh, Ben McLemore, someone that I've talked about a lot. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that never found the right footing in the league, but in Houston, in a fast-paced scheme, he found a uh, new light in his career. But I, I think the person that excited me the most was Cody Zeller. In DFS, I remember I remember hearing this. It was uh, one of their broadcasters said that Kemba Walker, who was Cody Zeller's teammate at the time, had a much more difficult time running pick and roll when Cody Zeller wasn't there. And I, in this offseason, looked, and he had like a five-point drop in game, in points per game, when Cody Zeller was off the floor. And if you watch how they ran that pick and roll, it was Cody Zeller would set a bone crushing screen and then it would provide enough space for Kemba Walker or Devontae Graham, who he had a really good connection with on the pick and roll, enough space to launch. So I think Cody Zeller is a very, very good signing for us. It's not sexy whatsoever, but it is a solid meat and potato signing. Um, we'll go over to Tony Snell, who admittedly I do have a bias towards in a lot of what I research and what I look at. I look at production. Tony Snell doesn't produce much when he's on the court. He is a very low usage player. He's a very low production player. When he is on the court, you can expect good off-ball defense. You can expect him to hit an open three but as you've seen from the milwaukee bucks when there's low usage players playing with a really high usage players so they don't get many shots in high leverage situations so you're really just having somebody on the court to play off ball defense and not provide much else in terms of pure production um i mean i'm sure he's a good culture guy and you know i haven't really mentioned the culture signings i think cody zeller and he are really good for the culture i just don't know if his on-court production is going to be much but when you sign someone like a tony snell it's probably for a minimum contract so that's fine i just you know my bias towards what he's produced on the court is pretty low um ben mclemore i've talked about on this program quite a bit and you know 
he got drafted by the Kings and then went back to the Kings. He's had a very difficult career in terms of, you know, a good coach around him, a scheme that he can fit in. He he definitely produced when he was in Houston in that fast, fast scheme that uh, Houston ran for such a long time. So, again, if we're playing at a fast scheme, I definitely see Ben McLemore low risk, low reward type of player. But again, when you have such a high, so many people getting paid a high amount of dollars, you need these low budget players to produce. And I think Ben can use his athleticism. He can hit threes. Again, we don't know the scheme Chauncey Billups is willing to deploy out, but if Chauncey's going to do what most NBA teams do, we're going to push the pace, and we definitely need athletic guys that can keep up and hit threes in the uh, corner. I'm okay with that. Again, I, I think it's Zeller is the the crown jewel of the if, of the low budget moves that we've made, but I think that he can produce, and you know, Yusuf isn't always isn't the model of health as well. So him being able to go into a uh, bigger bigger role is going to be huge and that saying Cody Zeller isn't the model of health as well but when on the floor I think he'll be a great backup center let's move to summer league the Blazers employed a lot of veteran players I think they were the most vet heavy team in summer league history they they really did use this opportunity to bring in vets um, Emmanuel Moutier, Kenneth Freed, Michael Beasley, Antonio Blankney, Kobe Simmons, a lot of these young vets and old vets. They used this opportunity to see if any of them would stick. I feel like we'll start with the lead guard, Emmanuel Moutier, and I think that will be the last time I ever call him a lead guard. Pressed in his ability to bully younger and smaller guards and get to his spots. I think that has a really good connection with Kenneth Fareed. So those two would run pick and roll and Emmanuel Moutier would find him in the crowd and get a easy dunk for him. We would set him up with a lot of easy dunks. When I watched Emmanuel Moutier, he would drive to the paint or back down his player to the paint and throw a pass. Sometimes when the lane was open, that pass would look beautiful and it looked like the feel for the game is really high. But then he would do the same pass in a very crowded paint to uh, Kenneth Freed that's rolling that's like not in a good position at all. And he would do the same pass. So it's like, hmm, is his feel for the game high? And he just tried to force that pass into the paint? Or is he just deciding, oh, I'm driving to the paint and I'm going to pass it to our big? I, I just don't think Emmanuel Moutier at this point in his career is backup point guard that this team needs. It's good to kick the tires and just see, okay, hey, this guy has his strengths and weaknesses. How would he fit in this team? And I personally don't think that he would be a good fit for us. Let's go with Kenneth Fareed. He, he did get a lot of run. The play that sticks out to me, though, is when they were running like a four out type of look with one of the blazer bigs in the paints of Kenneth Freed was out in the perimeter. He got the ball wide open and shot a three and it was so off that like 
I thought the backboard might break with his three-point shooting. In basketball, having a power forward that can't stretch the floor at all would be a huge red flag for our team. Again, I don't know the scheme. I don't know how Chauncey Billups wants to run this team. But we need a four with way more stretchability. I'm sure that he would be a good locker room guy. And that's great and everything. But when he's on the floor and... He'll probably be with Cody Zeller on the floor in that second unit. I think it's a no-go out of just he cannot space the floor, and that is just not a good look for this team. And I also think Greg Brown can do everything Kenneth Reed can with his athleticism and his bounds. So I would rather see what Greg Brown can provide us rather than giving Kenneth Reed that, that, that second chance in the league. I think that he got some good film on for other teams, but for the role that we have for him at that backup power forward, I don't know if he would be a good fit for us. Michael Beasley, on the other hand, could provide a lot of what we need. Um, he definitely showed some leadership abilities, was able to hit the three, play some defense. Um, you, you, Tara talks about the, you know, pointing and talking and how great that is. Well, Michael Beasley did that a lot in this, is this, uh, summer league. So maybe we can, I am way more willing to give Michael Beasley the very cheap backup big role, but I honestly don't think that backup power forward is that big of a deal. And I'll explain myself right now. When you're looking at other teams, in the second unit, you don't really see traditional fours. You see a lot of wings that can spread the floor and then one big. So I would rather give every backup four minute to Nasir Little or one of our other younger guys than worry about this is 1990s and we have to match up four and four. No, you can be more flexible with what you're doing in that backup unit. There's going to be units where, sure, the Denver Nuggets last year have a backup four that would give Nasir problems. But would Denver going to a post-up style offense be the worst thing in the world or you know, whatever team trying to use a power forward to punish Nasir or whoever the the backup four in our rotation would be. So I'm not I'm not particularly worried about oh we we need that six eight six nine size backup four. Uh, I mean, sure, it would be really nice to have. And if, if Robert Covington gets hurt, then everything I'm saying right now is just wrong. But if Robert Covington is going to play his minutes, then you don't really need that traditional four. Sure, keep Michael Beasley on the team for culture, and if anything happens, he's going to inherit a lot of run. But I don't want to think about us using any real assets to get the backup for when I think that Nasir or anyone really could take that role and play that backup four minutes. Um, I did mention Greg Brown. I think that his bounce is unbelievably impressive he does a lot of good dunks he does a lot of hustle stats and you know hustle uh, rebounds then putting it right back up with that second jump he's really pogo sticky in how he can get to the rim and make a lot of good things happen and i think his skill set is the reason kenneth freed 
just isn't necessary. You got to give Greg Brown a chance. I mean, he is a blue chip talent for a reason. You should give him that chance, bring in a veteran like Kenneth Free. Like, I, I want to see dunks. I want to see lobs. I want to see all that stuff that everybody else is craving. But I want it to be Greg Brown. And I think that he might get some run. He, he might get that blowout run if we're just beating a team by 30. And you know what? Let's throw Greg Brown out there. Let's see what he can do. Now, we're, now we'll talk about uh, the two-way contract trend in Watford. When I watched him in Summer League, I thought that he was put in a really difficult position because he's a power forward. There were times where I saw him being the hub of our offense. So we put him in a bad position because there was some times where he was dribbling downhill and found the right person and set him up for a really nice three or a really good shot. But then there were also times where he was doing the same thing he was doing, but it was a very crowded paint. So it's nice to see that he has some playmaking abilities, for sure. But then we put him in that position to consistently make that play. And I don't know if that is the right place to put Trendon. It's a difficult thing to be a power forward running offense. I think that he's going to spend some time in the G League, and I think the Blazers need to have a G League team for all these young players that we're bringing in. He definitely had some impressive passes. I don't think the athleticism is out of this world like it is with Greg Brown, but I definitely see him rotating to the right place defensively, playing good defense, hitting the right player on a pass, hustle, rebounding. He definitely has a shot if he makes the team it's one role you're just going to be effort player you're going to be an effort player just like greg brown to start and then once you show that you have the ability to be that hustle guy you can do something else it, it was good to see our young guys get run it was cool to see kenneth freed and emmanuel moutier and uh, michael beasley get run i think my favorite player was uh greg brown because of that uh amazing athleticism and it was cool to see antonio blankley get some run but you know, there isn't a reward for having all of the small guards on the team. You don't get a prize for having more than three small guards that, you know, aren't the best defenders. So I think Blakely got himself a job most likely, but I do not think it's with the Portland Trail Blazers. It's just three cards that are under 6'3 that, you know, are offensively gifted but not the best defenders is quite enough for us. I think now is a perfect time to talk about Anthony Simons and Nasir Little. I think that both of them will have a really big role. We didn't see Nasir in Summer League because uh, they took him out of the roster and Ant has been in the Summer League for a while. I think it is imperative that both of those guys take some pretty big steps. Um, I think Ant has that sixth man role locked up in the second unit, you know, when Dame or CJ goes out, I think that Ant would go right into that shooting guard position, move CJ down or Dame stays at the same spot. And Ant is our sixth man in a lot of the workouts that we've seen. He's been driving to the rim more. And I think that's really important for him and his development. He is one of the most gifted athletes in the world one of the most gifted athletes in the NBA as well. Him putting pressure on the the rim is going to be you. And he's a good three-point shooter. 
so he could use that to his advantage and drive to the rim. I think him and rim attempts is going to be a very big uh, thing to look at statistically. How many drives per game does he have? Because last year, it was like two or three a game. It was not enough rim attempts. And when you have someone that athletic and taking that away from him, I, I, I want to see drives. And I think that he has that six-man role sewn up we didn't bend the defense enough in our second unit and i think ant is capable of bending that defense and attacking whatever weakness comes up from it nasir little on the other hand i think is going to be a huge well i think both are going to be huge factors for us but i think because of his size he's a wing size player there's going to be 10 teams that we play against that their finishing five is going to have a traditional center. You know, if we play the New Orleans Pelicans going against Jonas Valanciunas, I think Yusuf is perfect for that. I think that he would be the perfect matchup for Jonas. We play against the Clippers. The Clippers have that small ball lineup. That's what their best lineups were. You can't put Yusuf against them. You know, Nick Batum or whatever wing that's there is going to abuse Yusuf. I can absolutely see a finishing five of Dame, CJ, Norman Powell, Nasir Little, and Robert Covington. So I think there's going to be 10 game, ten teams this year that have a traditional five. There's going to be 10 teams that roll small ball. And then there's going to be a mix of the other 10 that it's dependent on how their, their five and their six man perform. I think that Nasir is going to be a very big part of that that finishing five. He is our power wing. He is a guy that's very powerful, uh, powerful athlete that can guard the those stretch fours and those athletic fours. He can also be a help on rebounding because you know the lineup of Dame, CJ, and Norm. The rebounding isn't going to be the best. Well. Nasir can use his athleticism, get those boards, start transition, get the ball into Dame's hands, and finish around the basket. I think that Nasir, if he's as good as Neil O'Shea has said he is, is going to take a huge step, and I think it's really important. We can't expect Yusuf to be our finishing five all the time. There's the, those matchups. Matchups are really important in the league, so Ant's going to be our sixth man. Nasir is going to be our power wing and finishing five member at least a third of the games. You know, this was a quick and dirty 250th episode of the Holy Backboard podcast. You can check out me, my Twitter as uh, Desage, D-A-S-A-G-E. The Holy Backboard Twitter is Holy Backboard PDX. Um, We will be answering more questions as the year goes on. We'll be back weekly for uh the year we'll have we'll have guests we'll have dustin coming back hopefully for some time but uh, it should be a good year i expect the blazers to be a playoff team and we'll be back probably in the preseason thank you so much for listening i'm out wherever you may be this is bill shinley good night everybody let's go, let's go.